0: Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B. Where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about the intersection between ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and the polyvagal system. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you wanna know more about me, go to my website at drbconnections.com. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the polyvagal system and how we socially connect with each other. So if you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you want to know more about me, check out my website at www.drbconnections.com. This episode was recorded on August 23rd, 2020. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, so what is the polyvagal system? That's what we're going to try to figure out today. That's what we're going to be talking about. This topic has become hot. Let me just tell you, back in the day, well, I'm going to share a little bit more about this down the road, but let me lay out how we're going to we're going to go through this podcast first we're going to say what's the question what's the problem what do we want to know about polyvagal theory and why is it important then i'm going to share a little bit of the history and the neuroscience and emotions as well as a personal story then we're going to talk about some solutions and the relationships between polyvagal theory and the polyvagal system in relation to optimism and resilience and then I'm going to talk about some actionable takeaways from this episode that you can go out and try to use in your everyday life. So with that being said, let's get rolling. Polyvagal system. It was first introduced by a guy named Dr. Stephen Porges, and he's not a clinician. So it's really interesting that this information has finally made it into sort of the traumatologist world and the clinical world of mental health. But super cool because it's very, very important. The book, there's a book written and this is why it's in the clinical span all of a sudden. And that's because a woman named Dr. Deb Dana wrote a book using the polyvagal theory of Stephen Porges and sort of put it into a really practical format for clinicians to use. And her book is called. Polyvagal Theory in Therapy, Engaging the Rhythm of Regulation. So I want to give her a plug for her book because rock star. she, She really took a super important neurobiological process and put it into language that we can all use and benefit from, particularly in the mental health field. So really exciting stuff. I was introduced to Stephen Poor just when I was working on my dissertation in two thousand and probably seven eight nine It was published in ten but he first introduced the polyvagal theory at a conference in 1994. so let's get started that those are just the details. we often think that everything we do is real and that we're super conscious of everything that happens to us in our lives. But that's couldn't be further from the truth. That's just not the way the world works. We believe that people share our perception of events and experiences. Again, it's not true. It feels better to think that everybody sees what we see or feels what we feel about a situation. But that's not how our bodies and our minds work. We all are built and wired differently based on our early experiences and particularly those experiences that get highly reinforced early on. And so that really drives our perception and understanding of events that happen in our lives. And then that reports the story or the narrative of who we are and how we feel about certain events when they happen. So most of what we respond most of what we respond to or react to happens deep, deep within our body and our mind. And long before we can put those feelings into words, they're being processed in our brain because we have to be able to respond to dangers in the environment long before we are consciously aware of them in our prefrontal cortex. So that's super important to recognize. Perception is everything and perspective. So early experiences wire the brain. It wires the brain in such a way that we frame our perceived situations in terms of safety and in terms of fear. What does that mean? That means that when something happens that, that scares us, let's say a spider walks across the, the desk that's going to impact different people differently there, you know, because different people have different levels of fear based on their experience uh, with and of spiders. Now, evolutionarily, most humans are afraid of spiders on some level because way back in hunter gatherer days, we spiders could potentially be deadly. And so, we are innately afraid of spiders because they could have harmed us. If we had to wait around and see which kind of spider it was, whether it could kill us or not, that would be too long. We would have already died. So we have to have a system in our body and mind, and spiders are a good example of that, that we're just afraid of them and we don't even know really why. Well, the why is because they could have killed us And before we actually live in houses and now have you know, pest control companies and kill them regularly. I don't. I try to capture them and put them outside. So, all right. So that's what, that's the problem. So then what do we do? If we're all looking at the world through our own personal individualized perception, how do we ever get to truth? How do we ever get to a common understanding of what's going on in the world. So this is is what we're going to dig deeper into today. So the polyvagal system lives deep within our body and mind. It's attached to our brain, but it goes into our heart and into our stomach. And you're going to understand more about this as I talk about it. The personal part of this is I'm super excited because Stephen Porges was part of my dissertation research, and now this information is so relevant to so much that's going on in the world, but in terms of resiliency, in terms of understanding adverse childhood experiences and then healing around trauma and working with uh, patients clinically, it's just so important to understand the mind and body connection. What Stephen Porges calls this system is neuroception and you'll probably recognize what neuroception is when I explain it. It really means that um, feeling that you get before you can explain it. Have you ever been sitting somewhere and you just get a, a feeling about something that makes you a little uncertain, but you don't really have any reason to feel uncertain? Well, that's neuroception. That's the body and the brain in service of survival saying, hey, we're sensing something, but we're not really sure what what it is yet. So just be a little bit on alert. And then your body goes into this alert mode without you necessarily being consciously aware that something is going on. So that's neuroception. And he coined that word back in 1994 at a conference on where he unveiled sort of the polyvagal system theory. The polyvagal system is really about the autonomic system in our body. So the autonomic system is a lot like what it sounds it's sort of like the automatic system that tells us how to feel and what to do. And so there's a hierarchy to our autonomic system. And the hierarchy includes 3 three levels. And it's a theory of safety that really shapes our perception and connection. Because even though we all love the feelings of being connected, the truth is that our evolutionary development really has started with the fear stages or development of our system. So we've had to be Prepared for danger much more than we have to be prepared for social engagement. If we don't say hi to somebody or if we don't emotionally connect with somebody in a situation, we're not going to die. But if we're not regulated, our body and mind aren't connected enough to recognize when danger enters our parameter, then we could die. And so it makes sense that that part of our system is where it all began. So, so there's a hierarchy and it's sort of like the wiring between the brain and the body. And it, what's really cool about that is that what you'll recognize is when you think about things that happen when you're stressed or when you're afraid or when you don't know um, when you're uncertain about something, then what are the kinds of things that happen to us? Well, sometimes our heart beats really fast. That's part of this autonomic system, the vagus nerve. Or maybe we get a headache, or maybe we get a stomach ache because there's parts of this vagus nerve that travel all the way through from our digestive system all the way up to our brain. So the, the way this hierarchy works is this. We're going to start from the top, the social engagement system, because it's really the coolest part. And if you think about, and I'll do, an epi- I'll do a podcast on microemotions because I think microemotions are super interesting and awesome to understand. And we're living in a really trippy time in terms of wearing masks. So a lot of our face Is covered, and we're not able to really read each other's micro emotions, which give us so much of this unconscious information about whether I'm safe or if I can connect with you, and all of those sorts of things. It's particularly an interference with infants, I think. That's but we'll talk about that down the road. So The top of the hierarchy is the social engagement system. It's called our parasympathetic ventral vagal complex. So that's a big word and a big system that basically says from our heart, it delivers information to our facial muscles that help read whether we're in a safe, connected situation or not. So we're we're not activated we have sort of a resting way about ourselves. We are, we make eye contact, we can make facial expressions and there can be very dynamic, our voice changes, it goes up and down, we're not panicked. We're, when we are in our parasympathetic ventral vagal complex system, we're chill, we're good, we're ready to connect with people, we feel safe, there aren't threats. We're signaling that we want to communicate and all's well. Let's take it to the next level. So now we've moved from safety and now we're into um, danger, but not, not, uh, we don't know what it is really yet. So at this point, this is that sort of unknown danger. We get a little bit anxious. We feel scared. Our heart race picks up a little bit. We feel some stress. We have maybe some muscle tension and we're mobilized for some fight or flight. We're prepared for something to happen and that we might have to respond to it, but we're not necessarily conscious of what it is yet, and we're not responding to it yet. This is called the sympathetic nervous system. So this is another system that's all part of the polyvagal system. So now... And you can feel a little anxious and angry in this part because, you know, we don't like the feeling of the feeling of being in the unknown. It makes us obviously feel anxiety because we don't know what to do. Now, the third system or the the third area when we drop down on the hierarchy to the lowest level is where we're in a life-threatening situation. So we get into this place. This is called the parasympathetic dorsal vagal system. Now, what's really important is recognizing the ventral vagal and the dorsal vagal. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about those, but let me finish with the dorsal vagal system right now. The the ventral vagal thinks social connection, emotional connection, and smiling and voice prosody. That's our ventral vagal system. Now, our dorsal vagal system is where we get into the the real like freeze mode and our heart rate significantly escalates. We can collapse, go limp. We can be in just complete panic in terms of just immobility. And that's the freeze mode of our autonomic nervous system when we are presented with a life-threatening or a feeling-like life-threatening event or experience. So you can see how this is so related to trauma victims, because if your nervous system is wired in trauma or in trauma situations, or if you've had a traumatic experience, then this kind of this kind of response can kind of get locked in. And here's how perception is different for that person versus somebody who doesn't have a trauma that has locked that system in and is able to move more freely up and down the hierarchy. Where people with trauma, significant trauma, can get really stuck in the lower level or even the two lower levels where it's, you know, there's always this fear of anxiety and panic. So it's called the vagus nerve where all this information travels up and down and it's like a conduit of connection. It's our ability to be completely connected to other people, socially engaged and interacting with our world in a in a positive social way or we can be at the very bottom of that and not connected at all because we're living in continuous and constant fear. So compassion lives in our face and our heart. Feel, you know, when you fall in love with somebody and you just can't, when you talk about them, you have this smile on your face and you can just almost feel it in your heart and your face. Where if you're immobilized with fear, you're completely shut down from that. It's very difficult to be in those two places at the same time. Shut down, emotionally immobilized from fear of something that may happen or has happened and also experience or have the ability to be socially engaged with others. I hope that makes sense. The vagus nerve, it really works as an, it works up and down, you know, we our feelings and our The messaging system is delivered up to our brain and says, oh yeah, everything's great. It's fine, super. And we're connected or it can also work down and we get a stomach ache and we're nauseous and we're just feeling panicked and anxiety. And that's the up and down the flexibility of this particular system in our body. And that also delivers messages to those muscles in our face where we're like, oh no, Oh no, you know where you can you can feel your brows kind of tip in and you just don't know really what to do and that's scary. That just is scary. So 80% of the fibers, remember, think of this as like a conduit. 80% of the fibers are sensory sending information from the body to the brain. Everything doesn't just happen in the brain. It happens in the body and then it travels to the brain. So if, you get your, if your heart rate starts to beat quickly and your stomach starts to feel upset, it's going to travel to the brain. That's what's happening with 80% of those sensory wires, I'll call them. Now, 20% are action-oriented. So they're actually sending information from the brain to the body. So that's where we say fight or flight. That's a brain-to-the-body message system and it 's saying, "Hey, you need to move go so the brain is assessing the information that 's gone up to it and deciding what the body is going to do actively or immobilize in terms of fight or flight the dorsal vagus nerve remember that 's the one that's that 's the immobilizer, and the ventral vagal nerve are the same, they're the opposite sides of the same coin. We we need the dorsal vagal to protect us and to keep us safe and alive, but we also need the ventral vagal to keep us alive in terms of emotionally connected and socially engaged with the world. So they're both important. We can't do without one or the other. You don't want to be without your dorsal vagal system, otherwise you won't be able to protect yourself and be safe from things that happen in the world. What we don't wanna do is get stuck in that spot. So the dorsal vagal pathway works as a system of protection. It's our protective system. So that's what I want you to think about. And it's the oldest part of our autonomic nervous system. It protects us from physical and psychological pain. So maybe somebody has been mean to you your whole entire life. And that's been wired into your brain that it's okay to be mean to you. Well, that's part of the dorsal vagal system. And so then when one person comes along and does something or says something that might be unkind, and maybe they didn't even mean for it to be unkind, but it came across to you like that. That could set off your dorsal system and say that person is unsafe. They're not a safe person. So when we feel this threat, then what happens is it reduces the oxygen in the brain and the blood flow to the brain, because guess what? Our body is going to need to do something, and the energy that goes to the brain in terms of oxygen and blood needs to be available in our body for whatever it is we're going to do in terms of getting safe or getting to a place of safety. This information travels below the diaphragm. So think about where the diaphragm is. It's like above your belly button, but it's below your rib cage. And so this, infor- this is where it's... I'm going to use a big word here. It's called myelination or unmyelinated. And what it really means is when there's a neural pathway... When that pathway is used frequently, it becomes myelinated, which means it's kind of like a lubricated or it gets a sort of a fatty tissue on it that allows information to cross that myelinization much faster than in an unmyelinated nerve or an unmyelinated connection. Because this is the oldest part of our nervous system, it's unmyelinated. It's like a raw system. It just goes boom. It, 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 it almost feels like rather than having any elasticity or plasticity to it, it kind of falls like a rock, which is sort of what happens when you get scared about something. So the dorsal vagal system really takes us out of connection. It takes us away from connecting and makes us immobilized or scared to death. And when you're scared to death, you just freeze. You really, you can't do anything. Now let's move to the ventral vagal system because I love the ventral vagal system and it's the pathway to connection. And it's the newest part of our autonomic nervous system. So it's the above. It's our social engagement system and we use it all the time every day whenever we connect with people because when we, we almost, you almost can't just have a serious face and be like, Oh my gosh! I love you so much, and not feel it in your heart, and feel your facial muscles change when you have that feeling and experience, and then try to express it. It's our health and our growth and our restoration part of our that system, and it travels above the diaphragm. So again, we're above the belly button, below the rib cage, but it goes up towards the heart. The ventral vagal nerves are. Myelinated, so it moves faster under normal conditions in a normal situation and has a wide range of responses. So it's the it gives us the ability to soothe and be soothed by others or by ourselves. So this is really important in terms of relationships and relationship building and connecting with children and partners and friends and and just the world the social world so we want to have, we want everybody to be able to access their ventral vagal system and to understand it now remember perception is everything if you become aware of your ventral vagal system as your system of social engagement and you recognize that your dorsal vagal system or nerves are related to fear, and immobilization, and danger, and survival, then when you start to have feelings, you're able to recognize those feelings within yourself and have self-awareness about how your body and mind work together. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to control. it. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to always say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to manage, I'm going to totally control my world and environment because you can't. You know, that's just not the way the body and the mind work. However, it does allow us to recognize when potentially something is brewing sort of in the middle and we start to have an awareness that our hearts racing a little bit more, we're feeling stressed or we're we're getting a mixed message from somebody's somebody expresses something to us and we're kind of like, "Ah, eh, that doesn't really quite resonate or feel feel accurate then when that happens we're aware that something's going on with us and we can know about it and you know living life is really about being aware and personally aware and if we have a trauma that's interfering with our full awareness then now we can actually have a place to focus and to start to heal and to start to become aware what that would feel like if that trauma were treated on a more conscious level rather than in an unconscious place. Because the unconsciousness of trauma is the part that makes it so terrifying and just immobilizing, really. I I like to call it the compassion nerve. It connects us to the world outside. It connects us to each other and It helps us to enjoy our lives more than we would if we just didn't have any awareness. But we do have awareness. And so when we can feel our safety and we can feel our connectedness, then we become better humans, I think. And we become more mindful. We become more aware of sort of being self-compassionate to ourselves. And recognizing when we're stressed and then allowing ourselves to take care of ourselves, it allows for being supportive and understanding of the way our body and mind operate, which is, which is important. And then being kind about that to ourselves rather than beating ourselves up over how we respond to certain situations. We can say, oh, yeah. I understand why I respond that way because something happened to me and now I can start working on responding differently but not in a way that makes me feel like a terrible person but as a person who's enlightened and understands why it is the way it is. And then remembering that there's nothing more scary than being disconnected socially. Nobody wants to be the last person living on the planet. It's It would be horribly terrifying we don't want to live alone so we have to find healthy ways to connect with other people to make the world a better place the autonomic nervous system works in a very simplistic way i mean i could go into this in a much much more deeply and we probably will explore it more deeply down the road but I just wanna give you sort of a a visual of what this looks like. It's a hierarchy from social engagement to sort of the danger system and then into the real survival and mobilization freeze system. That's how that works. So what does this have to do with optimism, delusional optimism and resiliency? Well, first it has to do with the body and mind are connected. So that's right off the bat. That's super important to know. People talk about it all the time, but nobody really says, oh, yeah, there's actually this like vagus nerve that goes through your body and connects to your brain. And that's how your body and mind are connected. They are literally connected by the polyvagal system. So that's kind of cool just to know. It's not just some thing out in the universe. It's actually in our body. It's a physical system. So we cannot override polyvagal system. You can't override the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system. You can't make it do stuff or feel differently than it feels or you feel. That's just not how it works because in turn, in if we waited around for our consciousness to be aware of our need for survival, we would already be dead. But we can reflect on responses and reactions to situations that we get involved in. And then from there, we can learn and grow and change. And that's what's so important is learning and growing and changing by our experiences and our responses to those experiences. We become way more sensitive to the physical sensations that reoccur when we get upset, like we have these physical sensations or we just get this this feeling when we're upset or angry or anxious. And then we can start to learn about that. Is it accurate? Does it usually play out the way your body is telling you it's going to play out? It's that trusting your gut sort of thing. Is your gut trustable or is it, Is it leading you off course and interfering with your social engagement system because of a past trauma? That's what we want. That's how this all works out clinically and therapeutically is, is our system derailing us through when we are socially engaged with others or when we're in a situation that may be harmful and we don't necessarily pick up on it because our system was traumatized and then therefore not working properly. So it allows us, that's what's optimistic. That's the optimism, that's the resiliency, is the ability to overcome adversity. So if there's a trauma, we're able to become aware of how that trauma impacts our body and our mind, and then we can therapeutically or clinically work on that with somebody or with ourselves in order to grow and change and heal from that trauma. Doesn't mean that it'll always be perfect. Doesn't mean that it'll always be back to quote unquote perfect or normal, whatever that is. But it does mean that there's an opportunity for growth. And I think that's super optimistic. So with optimism, we have the ability to be more aware and use this and use this information to grow and change and have deeper, more meaningful relationships. The polyvagal system can be taught to children and then that can allow us to work on how we heal trauma. We know people experience trauma and We're very deeply invested these days, especially around adverse childhood experiences and traumatizing experiences, but we don't always know what to do or how to do anything about that. The polyvagal system gives us the opportunity to do something, to work on that. That's what's super cool about it. So I want to give you some actionable takeaways related to the polyvagal system today. There's There are other things, and, and this is just a super overview of how the polyvagal system works. And I'm sure that actually you may come away from this <laughs> maybe a little bit more confused rather than less confused about the polyvagal system. But I hope that it gets you to begin to explore and ask questions and, and then Throw those questions my way. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about them. Shoot me an email. But the actionable takeaways are that you can acknowledge somebody else's perspective and ask questions about it. Because there's a lot of times in life when things happen and somebody responds or reacts in a way that you kind of go, whoa, what was that? Like, where did that response come from? And the truth is, it's not all about you. In fact, most of the time, it's not about you at all. So people are different. People have different perspectives. And so when somebody has a response that kind of catches you off guard or throws you, ask questions. Ask questions of them. Try to figure out, okay, what was it? Was it something about me or was it something about them that I triggered in them when... Whatever the experience was. Also, I would say find a polyvagal partner, someone you can talk about your feelings with, talk about insights around this, you know, your previous experiences, somebody that you trust and who can give you valuable feedback around your response to responses to the world, responses to interactions that happen with you in different places. Because it's very informative to have somebody else sort of reflect with you about your reaction to a particular situation. Another actionable takeaway is to keep a reflective journal. You know, even if you just write down one thing every single day where you think, hey, my polyvagal system was activated today because I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in a really long time and we used to be really good friends and it felt so good to see them and that's your ventral vagal system being activated, boom, there's your reflective journal entry for the day. Or maybe you were driving, you were coming up on a green light, and all of a sudden the car just plows through the intersection, and if you hadn't been paying attention, they could have hit you. And that sense really pulled for your dorsal vagal system and made you slam on your brakes and gave you that real panic heart rate stress oh my gosh what could have happened and make you feel almost immobilized with fear of the what ifs and oh my gosh so i say that one because i am the i am a product of two very significant car accidents that included red light runners who actually hit me both times so um that's a sensitive spot for me, but I'm aware of that. Then I could have really big feelings. I could have really mad feelings about people who run red lights because I have actually been in two really serious car accidents from red light runners. So I call them that like it's a, like it's a thing, Um, like they did it on purpose, which they didn't, I'm, I'm sure. But it allows me to have a different perspective now that I can reflect on it differently, even though when I get scared in a similar situation, my body and my mind might respond similarly to the trauma when it happened originally. So reflective journal. The fourth one and the last one for today is finding a group of people who are different than you. Not all the same, but that you can share different Reactions to situations. It has to be a small group. It has to be a trusting group of people who have different perspectives than you do in some areas. And it doesn't have to be like bring a bunch of strangers together, but gather people different ages, different genders, different sexual orientations, gender identities, uh, races, religions, something like that. Bring bring a small group of people together where you can share about how. You respond to situations. And then what you'll find in that experience is that you recognize that the differences aren't really the things that we think create our differences are really not necessarily about those differences gender, sexual orientation, religion, race. They have a lot more to do with our experiences and how those got logged into. Our neurological wiring system. And I think that's a super interesting way for people to grow and change and develop and make new friendships and engage socially and connect. And especially at a time when we're in a transformational position in the world where we really are looking to connect across some really long held divided lines. And this is how we do it, is by recognizing the similarities that we have, because we really are very much all the same. What what makes us different from each other is not our skin color or who we love or our age differences. It's really how we've experienced the world. That's what makes us different. And that's where our learning and growing curve happens is understanding our social connection in our ventral vagal system and our traumas in our dorsal vagal system of the whole overall remember autonomic nervous system also known as the polyvagal system so that's our show for today and i hope you enjoyed it if you did i hope you'll subscribe on one of the podcast platforms thanks so much i really appreciate you listening take care Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, Book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life friend.